Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Um, we're going to call this the Spirit of the 300, um, just to get started and kind of put a title on it. Uh, it, it really is going to deal a lot with the mentality that I believe the church really needs to have for the 21st century. Say that with me, 21st century. I mean, we're not living in 19-something, you know, and, and things are different. Culture is different, um, and I wish I could talk more about it. You know, one of the things that the Lord has been sharing with me, and, and it's a part of the development of getting involved in uh, ministry coaching and so forth, is that we are now living in a very unique age in which we literally have five different generations coexisting at one time. So we have the potential to really have a large impact. And I know that sometimes we, we feel like a small group. And what can a small group really do to have a large impact? And it's going to come from what we're going to talk about here is the spirit of the 300. Now, I actually have two stories, and one has nothing to do with the 300, but it does have something to do with about feeling alone. And I think there's something about, has anyone ever just felt alone? I mean, you know, we can be flat out in the middle of a family reunion and feel totally alone. We can be in the middle of a party and feel alone. Feeling alone has nothing to do with being with people. It has something to do with what's going on inside of our hearts and our spirits. And so I'm going to lay a little bit of a strange foundation, but I think you'll see all the connection. Starting um, in 1 Kings chapter 18, and I think one of the maybe one of the most impressive feats, if you will, or, or impressive uh, acts that took place in the Old Testament was that of Elijah. You know, in Elijah, when you really study, he was, he was kind of a weird guy. I mean, you know, he was, you know, somebody that was so used of God was so up and down. You know, and I, you know, we feel guilty sometimes. How many feels guilty for feeling down? Like, you know, bummed out, tired, uh, you know, not refreshed. And it's like, I'm supposed to not feel this way. But, you know, it happens to all of us. I mean, if it happens to the best of us, it's going to happen to all the rest of us. You know, but, you know, at, at the... Uh, in 1 Kings 18, I don't know, I think we're somewhere around verse 36. And it just was, you know, you kind of know the story. I don't want to go through the whole story. But, you know, there was this, this battle uh, between Baal and the prophets of Baal. And, you know, if Baal is God, well, then, you know, we just need to decide we're going to serve Baal. And if God is God, then let's, you know. And so uh, there was, and we're going to read a little bit. At the time of the sacrifice, uh, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. Um, you know, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and um, uh, Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things you at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. And then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice. Now, we, again, we know the picture. They just spent hours, all these prophets, I don't know, you know, 450 plus prophets of Baal were, 
you know, all these religious people were really doing their thing and they were screaming and shouting and doing all kinds of ridiculous, uh, you know, to get whatever their God was to cause fire to come down upon their, their sacrifice. And then, but you know, Elijah just comes along and said, Lord, you know, just show these people that you are you. You know, sometimes we complicate, you know, what God can do when all we need to just say, God, just, just, just show us you're you. You know, in, in the circumstances, just to make sure that we know that God is God, Elijah says, you know what, we're not only going to do this whole uh, sacrifice thing, we're going to put water on there and some stones and some dirt and, you know, then we're going to dig trenches and we're going to put enough water that it fills the trenches and then we're going to pray. It's kind of like if the circumstances are not already, you know, enough pressure to say that God is God, Elijah just says, let's, let's just make the things a little bit more provable. You know, we're trying to get out of making it provable. We want it easy. What is it? Pause for effect? Yeah. Okay. Just want to make sure we're on the right page. Those that were here yesterday know what I mean. Those that were not, <laughs> you missed apparently some interesting things. Um, the, it just says, but, they, but God, you are turning their hearts back again. And so the fire of the Lord fell and burned upon the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and then it licked up all the water in the trench. That's a pretty good fire to burn up stones. And a pretty good fire to burn up all that and, and then including the water. Are you with me? And see, Elijah called upon um, God to defend his name. Not Elijah's name. Maybe there's little things in there that you're missing. You see, we feel insecure sometimes when God doesn't move the way we kind of feel like he should move. And that kind of does make us feel a little bit of alone. I'm just trying to follow where the Spirit's going here, okay? Um, but he said, listen, this, this, I want to show who God is. And when we want to show who God is, really what circumstance can be too much that God can't show who he is in our life? Thank you for that enthusiastic amen and uh, approval. I really, really feel the love there. But um, the thing is that when we want God to show himself to be who he is in our life for the benefit of others, Hello, for the benefit of others, God responds by delivering far more than the simple request. You see, we have this simple, because that's who we are. You know, if, if God, if you could just get me through this. But yet God wants to do way more than that. And so he, he just... He, he shows up and he goes beyond and, and he dramatically and demonstrates that he is the only supreme thing. And, and, and you know what? He proves that idolatry, or we would call it materialism, makes no sense. You know, because they're serving idols and things that 
Well, you know, we don't think of idols much today in the terms of idols, but idols are, in reality, materialism. And let's face it, we are living in a nation, well, you are, <laughs> that, that materialism has become the idol that, that we, we tend to serve. I don't, I'm not saying we do, but we tend to, because everything is towards that. If it's not, um, you know, probably shouldn't say it because somebody already mentioned it, but, but, but if it's not sports, if it's not um, entertainment, if it's not things, there are idols that are constantly uh, drawing for our attention. And when they're drawing for our attention, they're, they're kind of taking our attention away from what God could be doing in our life. And so we have God over here in God time, you know, our time for God, and then we have our, our other time, you know, our time. This is not about the offering, apparently, right? You know, <laughs> the, challenging, but I, I want to help you because... I want us to understand when we get to the spirit of the 300, this is Elijah by himself as the only one, okay, at, at this moment. And, you know, one would think that Elijah, I mean, my gosh, he should be on top of this world, as we say. I mean, he should be flying high. This, this great victory he just showed everybody that God is God, and, and he was this instrument Hello, that, that God used to show all of those arrogant um, Baal worshipers, idol worshipers, materialistic people that God was God. He should be like totally on top of it all. One chapter later, say one chapter. In Kings, 1 Kings 19, he finds himself sunk into some deep despair lamenting his position as the lone survivor. Yesterday, God showed up. And I'm not celebrating about it today because today I feel all alone. And I'm lamenting that, that I'm the only one against a nation of infidelity. In all of the phases that... that that typify sadness. Um, there's one thing that stands out here that Elijah says that just, you know, I don't want to confess I've said it because it just doesn't make any sense. But he says, only I remain. I'm the only one. I'm all alone here. And I'm not going to ask you if you've ever felt all alone because I already know the answer. But you know, a lot of times we feel the loneliness just after God has done something great in our life. And it's just like this, this thing that just, this just takes it out of us. When we should be in celebration, we feel alone. You know, it's kind of like, and, and don't, get, don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. You know, when we get the, the high of whatever it is that makes us high. Hello? I mean, I'm not talking 
drugs and all that. I'm saying whatever that thing, when we don't have that thing, the opposite, or, or sudden, that all of a sudden we, we don't have that, so we just, we go all the way over to this other side. And we feel like we're the only one, and only I'm the only one. And, and in 1 Kings 19.10, uh, I'm sorry, it looks like I have NIV here on that one, so I messed you up. But it doesn't matter, it's all good. He, he replied, I have been very jealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. He's, you know, here he is talking to God, you know, and he says, I've been jealous for you. And so, yeah, I've been very jealous for you. I only say that because we, we do pray like that sometimes to God. Like, you know, we're going to gain some points. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I know we're a small crowd, but we can make more noise than that. So, you know, I'm jealous for you, Lord. The Israelites, your people of your covenant, torn down your altars and your prophets that have been put to death with the sword, and I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. What a point of view. Now, go ahead and admit it. How many has ever felt alone? And it's kind of, the stupidest thing to feel, if, if you will. I mean, I'm not doing well at making friends today. But, you know, it's just, yeah, it's, we just make these choices because we, we get it. We, we, we're not in this, wow, we're in this little moment of vacuum where now it's kind of like all about faith. And not about power, it's, you know, now I just have to believe that God is with me and he's not going to leave me and he's not forsaken me, even though I don't feel like, woohoo. I mean, I like to feel woohoo, but I don't always feel woohoo. And so he, he had to make a conscious decision to continue serving in spirit and truth. That, that's what we need to do. When it seems that those that you know you've counted on for years in your life have abandoned God in favor of better options. I'm, I'm just going to mention. I noticed there's some faces that 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 I would think would be here, or you know maybe I would assume would be here. I don't know you know anything about it. Maybe they're on vacation. Maybe I don't know anything, and that's fine. But I know in my life there are people that are no longer in my life that I thought would be part of my life forever, and, and they've abandoned me for what would, they would feel um, would be better options for them. And so how, do you, how does that make you feel? Betrayed? Yeah. Yeah. Desperation? Yeah. Loneliness? So all of a sudden, you know, it's easy for us to judge Elijah because, my, my goodness, chapter 18, chapter 19, great gigantic proof that God is God and, and, you know, tomorrow, are you with me? You know, I mean, he miraculously gets us this job and now we're complaining because we don't have enough money to pay the electricity. You know, I mean, we're still at, we haven't gone through the whole process yet, but whatever, we have these things that take this and puts us in this vacuum and we feel like we're alone. Now, it's doubtful that Elijah has ever questioned what was true or what was not true. But 
I think what tormented him the most was having to see people he knew and knew very well leave for something that was temporary. I mean, there was people that left. Obviously, something is going on here because that's what's making him feel alone. Now, I'm going to say that again. It's making him, say the word, feel, feel alone. When, when somebody leaves, somebody distanced themselves from you, and we feel abandoned, we feel betrayed, we feel alone, we, we, that's how we feel. But that's how we say the word, feel. God says, what are you talking about? I got another 7,000 prophets. See, this is, this is important. He, he must have felt alone by his own choice. He had to, there must have been a, a reason. There must have been a choice that he made because God's saying, hey, you're not alone. I still got seven other, not just people, I got 7,000 other prophets. So why are you feeling alone? What have you done? What have you allowed to, to make you feel, what, to, to, to make that choice? Hello? I mean, however betrayal, despair can cause you to make you feel alone, say this with me, we are not alone. And maybe when you feel alone, you should say, I am not alone. Try that. I am not alone. And, and maybe that's for someone specific today. But how many of us have had to make a conscious decision to, to continue to serve God in spirit and truth when it seems like everyone else has gone their own way? And at times like this, when we feel so alone... Listen, God's voice whispers to us in the wind. You know the story. Later on, you know, there was this earthquake and the fire and all this stuff. And, you know, we're looking for God to speak to us in the spectacular. And he wants to be intimate. And we're not interested in being intimate. We want to get back to this big show. I want to say something in a specific way. God's voice whispers like in the wind to remind us of our purpose, remind us that we're not alone. Here's the thing I want you to, to keep in mind. God has his whispering way to talk to you. We're married and, you know, we have our little things. You know, you know what I mean? Those that are married and still love it. Um, <laughs> You have your little whispering ways, you know, are you with me? See, God has his whispering way for you. may not be like anyone else, but we have to find his way. How does he whisper to you? You know, I mean, is it with when you're jamming, you know, with some crazy heavy metal rock and roll and, you know, you're just thinking, or is it like when you're sitting on the back porch drinking a cup of coffee? I mean, whatever. But God has his whispering way that he speaks to us, but are we listening or are we, are we so focused on being alone? Are you with me so far? Say part one. Let's go to part two. Judges chapter seven. Now we know the story of Gideon. 
We know how he came, you know, and he was, you know, like the gnat on the tail of the rat. You know what I'm saying? That's how he felt. And, and, and he defeats, we know the story where it gets to the point where uh, it's time to defeat the Midianites, which were, ironically, uh, a, 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 a tribe that came from one of Abraham's illegitimate sons. In other words, illegitimate faith had become an enemy that needed to be defeated. And so let's read in Judges 7. I think we start with verse 1. Then Jeroboam, something like that, that is Gideon, and his army got up early, and he went to Herod's spring. And the Midian army camp was north of them in the valley near the hill of Moor. Sounds like, you know, Lord of the Rings or something, you know, with some of these names. Then the Lord said to Gideon, hey, man, you got too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight against the Midianites, the Israelites, they might boast before me that, that they were saved by their own strength. Now, I only say that, I'm only emphasizing that because sometimes we wonder why God makes us, allows us to feel so alone. And it could be because if we got all of this to go forward, we could end up feeling like I did it. And if I feel like I did it, it's less likely that I'm going to give God the glory for it. When there's absolutely no way that I can do it and, and I still get through it, then all of a sudden I realize, oh, that was totally God. And that's where we need to be. I don't like being there because I don't feel in control. And all those cholerics said amen. <laughs> you know, some of us like to feel like we're the ones in charge. Come on, at least the men are going to say that, right? We like to feel like we got it, we're in charge. And then I know some of the women are like that as well, right, Maggie? Yeah. <laughs> and so... He just says, I don't, I don't really like the idea that they could turn around and end up making feel like they won this battle. And so the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. And if I let them fight against the, the Midianites, the Israelites will boast before me that they were saved by their own strength. Verse 3, therefore tell the people to everyone who lacks courage or is afraid, who leaves this mountain and goes home. In other words, if you're a chicken, you can leave the battle. It works better in Spanish. For some reason, you know, we say chicken, but, but gaizina in, in Spanish is so like, you're such a, what's, what's a good word I can say and not get in trouble? Yeah. Wimp. There you go. Because I might say things that are not churchy, you know, and I, I want to make sure. <laughs> Uh, thank you for that, wimp. So all you wimps can go home. These are, these are soldiers, right? 
People who have been in battle and survived, they've got testimonies, they've got victories, they've got this thing. And in fact, one of the reasons that God wants to thin it out is because he don't want them to get the idea that they did it in their own strength. So he says, if you're a wimp, you get to go home. So 22,000 of them went home. Say 22,000. Just so we have our math right, they started out with 32,000. So 22,000 of them went home and it only left 10,000 that remained willing to fight. And so it's kind of like, okay, enough, right? Hello? Are you with me? I mean, enough is enough. I mean, if God wants to show his power uh, that, the, you know, so warriors can't boast, I think 10 of 32,000 should be good. Hello? I mean, don't you think? But the Lord said to Gideon, you still have too many. It's like, what? Make them descend to the spring and, and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. And so Gideon uh, went down with his warriors to the water and the Lord said, divide men into two groups. In a group, put everyone who drinks water in their hands, licking it uh, like dogs do. And the other group put who kneel directly uh, from directly and drink directly from the stream. And only 300 of the men drank their water with their hands. In other words, they were the ones that were kind of keeping an eye out, you know. They weren't in battle, but they've got this warrior spirit. They're going to bring the water to them rather than stick their face in the water and just enjoy it, you know, just suck it up, you know. Um, not in battle yet, so I'm, but, but when you're really ready, you're always ready. And so these, there was only 300 of 10,000 that was that ready. And so only 300 of the men drank water with their hands, and the other ones knelt down to drink with their mouth in the stream. And the Lord said to Gideon, uh, with these 300 men, I will rescue Israel and give you the victory over the Midianites. You may have 300, but that's feeling kind of lonely. 300 against thousands. Are you with me? Why does God do that? But how many remembers the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer, and they didn't even have a weapon. They went and they snuck in and they took out one guy and got one sword. Then they went with that sword and took out another guy and they got another sword. And they ended up taking out thousands. Two guys. Two swords. I mean, that doesn't, doesn't compute, but it doesn't give them the ability to say that they did it. Maybe somewhere in Elijah's makeup, because he was, even though a prophet, he was a little bit unstable. Sorry. Just, I think, yeah, I think most are. That's why God uses them. Because... <laughs> That's got to be the only reason God uses me, right? Because I'm totally unstable. <laughs> to, to go from that to, to feeling all alone. Now, Gideon, he kind of goes from the other direction. He kind of felt like, like I said, like the gnat on the tail of the rat. You know, I'm the least of all of this, and who am I? You, when, when, when the Lord said, you man of valor, and he says, who, who are you talking to? You, you don't realize I'm nothing. And so God says, no, you, you're a mighty man of valor. You're, you know, great victories. And so it's like God does these things. 
to put us where we need to be so that we can have the victory, but he gets the glory. I mean, that was for somebody. So from 32,000 warriors to 300, what in this world is God doing? Judges 8.4 says, now listen, this is good. Gideon then crossed the Jordan River. Don't, don't, you know, this is not the, uh, I don't know, whatever stream, river, brook you have nearby, you know, where just kind of calm, cool your feet as you go across. This is Jordan River. Okay? Gideon then crossed the Jordan River with his 300 men, although they were exhausted they continued to chase the enemy. 32,000 to 300, and they're exhausted. Say exhausted. exhausted. Now they get to cross the Jordan River. If they were exhausted, they're kind of like super exhausted. And then they go and chase the enemy, which, are, which outnumber them, you know, 10 to 1. Talk about feeling alone. You see, the Lord had given them the victory. And we like to say that. The Lord has given us the victory. There's only one thing that we're leaving out of that statement. You still got to go fight. I mean, the Lord has given us the victory, but we still have to go fight. And when I say that, it's not like, you know, you Lions fans, you know, even if, um, even if the outcome was you're going to win, they know they got to give it all and then some. Because otherwise, as we know, are you with me? Yeah. See, we have to, we, we, we've got the victory, but we still have to fight and, you know, not just show up. Come on, Christians. Not just show up and go through the motions. Oh, here's a little bit for the bucket and, you know, here's a little bit for that and here's a little hallelujah. And, you know, I kind of, you know, I'm talking to everybody and that's why it's so quiet. You know, we can't just go through the motions. We have to fight. We have to fight this battle. So the beginning of my conclusion, because really my conclusion is everything. Are you good? Okay, let me ask you today. Are you doing, or, or no, let me ask you it this way. Are you going to be what God has called you to be? Are you going to be what God has called you to be. Don't, I'm not looking for um, too old. I'm not looking for I don't understand. I'm not looking for I'm too young. I'm not looking for I don't have enough money. I'm not looking for um, I, I don't have enough talent. I'm looking for are you going to do what God has called you to do? The reality is you may need to do it exhausted. 
The reality is you may have to do it uncertain, maybe. Overwhelmed, that's possible too. You may have to do it as if you feel all alone. I said you may have to do it as though you, what's the word? Feel all alone. You know, it doesn't matter that you're not all alone. When you feel all alone, you feel all alone. But see, that's when we have to realize we are not alone. We have to, and if you'll let me say this, visualize the victory. Imagine the 300. 300 exhausted soldiers going up against thousands. See, sometimes we... Um, we need to be reminded that there's no such thing as a promise without pressure. That's another one of those things you might want to take note of. No such thing as a promise without pressure. That's where we have to have that spirit of the 300. doesn't seem like this is going to... This, there's nothing physically, naturally or logically possible to get through this. But I'm going to take on that spirit of the 300, and I'm going to just going to do what God says that I'm, I'm called to do. And sometimes we have to do it exhausted. Sometimes we have to do it maybe uncertain. Sometimes we have to maybe do it overwhelmed. Sometimes we may have to do it a little bit discouraged. Sometimes we have to may, maybe do it like, like there's nobody else but us that even cares but, but we, have to, we have to do that so that God can show himself strong through us. He gives us the victory, but we still have to fight the battle. Sometimes we've got to get up, stand up so God can speak to us. And like Elijah, God will help us stand. But we must, you know, the whole thing about standing when we don't feel like standing, is it okay if I do this? Is, is like when I'm setting, I feel at least comfortable. I'm, I'm going to say that again. I'm going to, I feel at least comfortable. Who said anything about being comfortable? What soldier has the opportunity to feel comfortable? Not when they're, not when they're going to battle. Now when they know in the morning that it's time to cross the river tired. So standing up in itself may be one of the hardest things we have to do. But when we stand, having done all to stand. I mean, that may be all we had left in us was just to stand. But when we stand, there's like this thing that takes place. God then can say, you know what? Now you're ready. Let's go. Some of us don't feel like we're ready to stand. Some of us are, are am I talking to anybody here today? You see, the greatest victory, victories are always won just past the end of ourselves. What protects us from the extreme nonsense that's out there. Hello? How about Christian games? Do you know what I mean? What, does that make sense? Christian games? 
What qualifies us? Because we don't feel qualified. What qualifies us to be Gideon's army? Here's the answer. Consistency and steadfastness. Just, just stand up. Just say that. Stand up. Because sometimes standing up to go to battle is harder than the battle. I think, I think that's a why, you know, um, we see it uh, on TV and if those who have ever played sports, you know, those last moments in the locker before the game, there's always that, you know, that little pump up thing. You know, that, that's charger, that primer. Actually playing the game, fighting the battle is natural because we're warriors. God, God equips us. But what's not is having that stand-up ability to say I'm ready to go because I feel alone. I, I feel like I'm incapable. I feel like there's, there's no way to get to the other side of this. Are you with me? I don't know how we're doing on time. I'm going to jump down. Growth barriers must be overcome. I'm going to say that again so we can think about how that applies. We all have barriers to our growth. Things that pertain to us that always seems to be the thing that detains us from our growth. Keeps us. Help me, Lord. Are you are you are you hearing? You know, we just have to simply overcome our bad days. I'd love to say there's no such thing as bad days. And I know that, you know, we're not supposed to, you know, believe that, but th- there are some some stinking bad days. But we have to overcome the bad days. We have to kill that Midianite bully in our life. Think about it. We have to kill that oppressor, the intimidator. We have to kill that which is occupying our heritage. We need to take on the spirit of the 300 for ourselves. We have to put on that against all odds. I don't know how God's going to win this thing. I'm just going to wake up exhausted. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to cross Jordan. And when I get there, I'm going to give it all I got. And you know what? That's when God's going to have to do the rest because I know I can't. But I know I will because it's God in me. It's that, it's that, that attitude of the 300. Are we feeling alone? Does it feel like maybe it's too much or too big for you to accomplish? I'm, I'm certainly sure 
that these 300 soldiers of Gideon had to have felt that. And it's always, can I say, easy to look back on the victories of others and say, well, I know, I mean, that's, that's, that's Dr. Carl. He just, you know, God's called him to be that strong and that victorious. No, 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 it's not. Every single one of us are going to be faced with that moment of alone, that moment of it's too much, it's too big. I don't, I don't even want to get up this morning. I can barely find the strength to stand. But you know what? It's in the standing. It's in the getting up that we say, you know what? I'm just going to put it on. The enemy looks like it's way too much. The battle looks like it's way bigger than I can, than I can do. And you know what? It is. But I'm not doing it. I'm just going to go fight. I'm going to give it all I got. And somewhere, somehow, I don't know, because I look back, there's never been two battles the Lord has ever won in my life the same way. But then that's just, that's just God. It's just like, I'm going to show you that I'm God, like he did with Elijah. We don't have another story where he burned up a bunch of sacrifice. We have that one. Are you with me? So remind yourself of God's whispering way of speaking to you. Amen? For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.